Hey everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled, I'm Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2 Episode 14, it's called The Icarus Factor. So full spoilers for the episode as always. Sounds like a good name for a game show. I can't argue with that. So it sounds like. So... I have I have a not a confession but like just a weird point I wanted to make before we start talking about the episode is I I did have one preconceived notion about this one. Oh. So you know I'm watching it on Netflix and whenever you you've been watching a show on Netflix whenever you highlight the show again it gives you an image like that pops up at the top it's always from the next episode. So I saw Riker in this red what I thought at the time at a glance was hockey gear and went what is this. No, what no. is this episode going to be? I've been doing the same for you know, uh, you know, a week or whatever. Been seeing that image. I'm like, that's Gladiator gear he's wearing. <laughs> he's he's in Gladiator. Well, it's it's Gladiator meets hockey meets samurai meets a little bit of futuristic. Uh, and, and you've been going, what the hell is this episode that Riker's a gladiator? So I'm going to, so the plot of this episode is that Raker's up for promotion. He's been offered a command job on a ship, a science ship uh, that's doing some stuff off in the corner of the galaxy. And as part of this, they're, they're stopping at a station and Raker's got some time to make his, make his decision and sort of leave and, you know, leave the state, you know, stay in the station when everyone else flies off. Uh, but the person here to give him his orders, to give him his, his briefing, as it were, uh, turns out to be his father, who he's not seen in 15 years. Uh, when he was 15, so he's, so I guess, Riker's 30. Uh, I guess the episode tells us that. Um, I and, believe that. Yeah, he feels about 30. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think me and Riker look about equals. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I'm more attractive. You're right. Uh, so, yeah. immediately, as soon as his father <laughs> beams on board... <laughs> That's like the best laugh I've had in about a week. Oh, piss off. <laughs> so his father beams on board and Kiro comes off the transport and immediately Riker's like really cold and he doesn't want to really talk to him. He's like, well, uh, someone will give you the tour, sir. Because obviously his father's expecting that he'll show him around because it's his son. He's like, no, no, uh, that this cadet will show you around. <laughs> Random red shell will do the job. Yeah, so I'm, I'm having no part of this. And so the episode is about him sort of trying to decide if he's taking this job, dealing with the fact that his father keeps trying to connect and talk to him about, you know, who he is now. Stuff. And, yeah, he wants to, wants to sort of bond. He doesn't want to bond. Uh, there's some, you know, twists and turns about who his dad kind of already knows on the ship, bizarrely, and we'll get to that. So there's like 30 minutes of this, and it's not particularly good, it's not particularly bad, it's just kind of typical their stuff. And then, out of nowhere... His father says, it's a shame there's not this type of dojo uh, on board so we can fight it out. And he goes, oh, but there is. In the gym section, there's, there's, in the gym deck, there's, 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 that exact dojo and, exists. And also, why did we have to have a whole gym deck of all oh, Just conveniently, that's there. you got a holodeck, mate. There's a holodeck. Because the holodeck's <laughs> been used for our plot. That's why this has to be there. Uh, we can't have two holodeck plots intersected at the same time. Don't be a fool. <laughs> So, so it says the thing. So for five other minutes, there's there's, there's scenes of uh, uh, Pulaski who who turns out has a romantic past with Raker's father and goddamn nowhere, right? And uh, and what's what's her face? 
Troy. Troy, thank you. <laughs> Troy, who's also so we've got this thing where like oh both the love interests of the father and the son are kind of bonding with each other and talking about how great the Rikers are and so on and so on, and they're like oh this is barbaric. Men are idiots. They're going to go do this most barbaric thing. I hope one of them. I hope I hope they don't injure each other. That was the exact words Pulaski used. I hope they don't injure each other. Cut to them standing in the most protective gear in a padded room. There's like a, there's like a circular pad around this this circle, and then they're wearing head to toe. Like, like it's not even armor. It's protective, like combat sports stuff. They've got it over their heads. They've got gloves on. They've got shoulder pads. They've got chest pads. They've got everything. Like they would have to try extremely hard to do anything other than give someone a like tap in this shit. Like, and it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, because yeah, maybe I'm misremembering. It. It's it's a blunt stick they're hitting each other with. Yes, it's a blunt stick. It's got like a light on it, I think. Because I'm not sure if they're supposed to be blindfolded because their visors like not see-through. And I wasn't sure yeah. if they were meant to be like doing this without being able to see. And like the, the light stick was part of like detecting you know, where the other person are. was. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So because the, the light makes a noise and flashes more yes. when, it, when it's in line with the other light. So that's telling you where they are. Yes. So that's that's the sport. So, no, but we get like five minutes of build-up. Oh, this is so barbaric. I can't believe they're going to do this. Which, by the way, if it's so barbaric, why does that, Why does the flagship Starfleet vessel just happen to have a dojo for it? If it's that barbaric... No, this is clearly a light contact sport that people do for a bit of exercise. I, I think there's a mix-up in the editing, and they're actually talking about Worf here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because what Worf goes through is actually a lot more... I mean, it's a like, holodeck, but he's not... Legitimately barbaric. Yeah, he's legitimately getting prodded with the electrical, like, electrocution staff, so basically. Yeah. That's not what they're called. It's some Klingon name, but like that's what they are. Death they're sticks. Ca- they're cattle yeah. prods. <laughs> yeah. He's getting cattle prodded. Yeah. More on that plot later. But I just... It cut to them in this, these outfits, and I just started laughing. First of all, just because it looked really silly. It felt like two people, and especially when they started like having like because they started saying things in Japanese to start each round. And I just I see you know I see Riker, I see this this actor who I'm actually quite familiar with. I don't know his name. Let me just get his name. Mitchell Ryan, the actor. Um, he was in the first Lethal Weapon movie. He was in of all things Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. He's he's one of those actors, especially in the eighties and nineties, who was just kind of popping up around a lot as the dad figure, right? That was kind of yeah. I, I reckon I couldn't I couldn't yeah. have never told you anything specifically he was from, but it's like one of those faces that yeah, yeah. I've seen him around. He's, he's been around everywhere, and he he says something in Japanese, and they're talking about honor and. I'm just. This is so silly. Like I am. Th- th- this is. This is exactly the sort of scene that someone who doesn't see Star Trek sees a glimpse of and goes, "Yeah, this is why Star Trek's dumb and that's not for me." This is the. Like, this is something that as someone who watches wrestling, right? There's a lot of that in wrestling. There's a lot of like, I hope no one walks in and sees what I'm watching right now because this is the part that's embarrassing and I don't want anyone <laughs> to see it. That's what this was to Star Trek. Was this scene with them in these stupid outfits? you know and it's really like awkward stunts none of it never feels like it's actually that visceral or action-packed like it feels like they're doing these really controlled flips and really controlled everything just looks really so stale and safe boring but is the word you're looking it's boring for. but for for a sport a, a contact sport about you know actually landing blows on each other but, that's kind but, of the point of the sport usually those are f- not entertained i don't really care but you know there's some movement and reason that it's entertaining but in all seriousness i hope they don't injure themselves <laughs> can you imagine one of them come out with a broken leg <laughs> you'd have to like grab one of the limbs and like intentionally like, kick the joint back the other way or something to injure someone in this 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 fight and you're blindfolded while doing that <laughs> 
except when they're not, because they feel like, oh, well, let's have a chat. Let's just pull the visors up and, and go face to face while we talk. Are you right about the gladiators reference? I could, I could almost hear uh, the referee, uh, gladiators, ready. Uh, if, if, if no one knows this, uh, the UK version of gladiators, the referee was Scottish and he had this very distinct uh, way of, you know, announcing things. Uh, contenders, ready. Like, he'd always do that. Uh, I miss gladiators. Yeah, the wolf. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I forget the wolf. That was everyone's favourite because he was the mean one. Yeah, yeah. Who, who didn't like him? Yes. Um, so, you know. <laughs> I don't know where else to go with this. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole thing. And at the end of the, the, end of the scene, like, they eventually hog and like, they get, you know, this, like, he's, Raker's finally letting go of all this anger he's had for his father abandoning him. And I just didn't think the emotion landed. I was like, but why are you thanking him now? Like because you punched him a few times? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a whole beat where his dad cheats to win, and Riker's like, "Hang on a second, you always cheated." Is like, his dad's like, "Yeah, you just didn't know the rules well enough before." <laughs> and Riker's like, "You bastard!" I'm like, "Yeah, uh, yeah, fair enough, Riker." I just, I don't know. I didn't really. The actual arc of the forgiveness and the the, the reconciliation just did not work for me. Uh, so it just it kind of played out really slow and plodding throughout the episode. Although I did perk up when I started laughing at how ridiculous this looked, and it, it was a solid like five minute scene of this happening. Like it's not like it was cutting back and forth to other scenes. We stayed in them for like an extended five minute scene of them pretending to fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was not good, but entertaining. Yeah, and then all the stuff where they're shocked to see Pulaski with him, and then Pulaski's like sort of sticking up for his dad a little bit. Mm, and uh, Rake definitely still got a crush going. Yeah, and Raker tries apologizing to her for being a bit of a dope, and she, you know, she she kind of accepts it, but like it just that that kind of like came out of nowhere. It's kind of kind of weird for her to never mention to Raker. Oh, by the way, I've, I've, I I used to date your father. <laughs> That is something that should probably come up sometime in the last few months of her being on the ship. Ideally in the middle of her giving him a medical exam. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, you know when you go get your hair cut and you just want to sit there and just just, just cut the damn hair and they, they insist on doing small talk? Yeah. I imagine Pulaski's like that. Just, yeah, right, I'll, I'll, just, right, I'll just do your medical exam. Right, okay, I'll just, just you know, check you over. By the way, so how, how's your dad? <laughs> Yes, the small talk is the reason why I'm more and more tempted every time that I need a haircut to just shave my head myself and let it grow on from scratch. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I literally say to, to, to what I was like, it's fine, you don't need to talk. And they still try, but just, just one word answers, not very non committal. I'll shut them right up. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Perf- I'm perfectly content to sit there in silence and just let you do your job, and then I will pay you. So, uh, the subplot, though, uh, which is, well, it's kind of a mixture of things. There's, there's like a sort of C-plot where there's something wrong with the the system and the ship, and it's just a small, minor thing, but they're they're going to have, like, the engineers at the starbase give it a look over, right? And Jory's kind of feeling a little bit offended by this, because he's like, no, I can find it and fix it. And him and Data are looking into it, and Data, like, recommends, ah, oh, just to, you know, overhaul this thing or whatever, and... You know, uh, I did like how Brian was getting a bit more screen time in this uh, in a couple of different moments. It's, it's happening, isn't it? Like, you yeah. know, obviously, this is one of the things where we know from hindsight that he becomes a thing. 
Yeah. But it feels very natural the way they're doing this. Yeah, it, it, it feels like, okay, there was a good response. I don't know, you know, whether audience or writers or, you know, whoever liked it. He, he was in a, I mean, he was in the first episode, so he's been here since the start of the show, but obviously he's not been, he's, he's been coming and going as, you know, episodes yeah. have dictated it. But, you know, here, because he has a, a nice little fun bit where he comes in and he sort of said, oh, are you nervous about this inspection? And, and Jordy's like, oh, how about we get them to look over the, the transporter uh, system? Because that's his department. And he's like, yeah. oh, they can. It's spick and span, top to bottom. <laughs> and I think Data's got a great line where he's like, you know, if I wasn't like the utmost professional and also an android, I might be really offended by that. <laughs> By, by by this inspection <laughs> yeah no but it's nice like over the last you know five or six episodes he's been getting a bit more here or there and now we're at a point where he's having you know legitimate banter he's, having, he's feeling like part of the show now he's having banter and even you know when the the, the wharf pl- plot gets to where, where it's going he's even invited to the the the, the ceremony on the holodeck he's, he's one of the five crew members that are there and you know so yeah he's mm. he's, he's kind of in that um I'll, I'll call it uh, season two Buffy Oz effect, where he's not in the main <laughs> cast, but he's he's there often enough now that he feels like one of the main cast. I'm not even annoyed at that reference because that was actually a good, a good comparison. That television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Good for all your referencing needs. Yeah, because generally when something has enough seasons, you can reference whatever the hell you want. <laughs> So I actually was worried about this subplot at first because it started with Wesley trying to talk to Worf and Worf getting angry and just telling the, the little shit to go away, which, I mean, I enjoy that part. But, you know, yeah. Wesley goes to, like, Jordy and Day. He's like, hey, something's wrong with Lieutenant Worf. We have to do something. Like, Worf's... And I thought, oh, God. But it actually led to some good moments. I, I love when they kind of, like, okay, we'll try and talk to him. Uh, there's an implication that Wesley lied about having to study, so they'd have to go and talk to him. And... They go to the the bar uh, deck and they're, they're going up. It's like and it's Data and Jordy, and Jordy's like, "No, this is a bad idea. He wants to be alone. We shouldn't talk to him." And Data insists, "No, no. He he's he's alone. He needs friends. We're his friends. We should socialize with him." And he tries to go up and socialize with him, and basically, when Worf just yells at him, "Be gone, sir!" <laughs> I was like, there was just there was a palpable tension in the air. The data had no idea how much he was pissing Worf off, and I was enjoying that tension. Yeah, yeah. And then when Wesley comes back, he's like, oh, yeah, I've got an idea. And, and they're like, well, go and do that. It's your bloody problem, mate. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. We have to do this ceremony. We can be his family, but there has to be other Klingons. And they're like, well, we're not inviting Klingons on board. <laughs> he's like, holodeck, we can have digital Klingons. <laughs> it's like, okay. Just what everyone needs. So... Yeah, so uh, Troy actually sort of takes him there, but doesn't go in notably. She's like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. You're going yourself, uh, Screw Worf. that. Uh, young, young Wesley Crusher's looked into Klingon history and figured out it's the anniversary of this, this ceremony. Uh, so this is a ceremony that Worf basically has to like get everything off his chest that's bothering him and sort of like, open up about how he's feeling. But he does it whilst being prodded <laughs> with cattle prods. Yeah. As he's walking down this line of Klingons, um, and he does so, and it's you know it's hard for the others to watch. You know, uh, I think at one point uh, Pulaski is about to step in because this is too much, and it's actually O'Brien who holds her back and says, "No, no, 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 he needs to finish this. This is clearly mm. his thing." And when he gets to the end, he can barely stand when he gets to the end of this line because it's just a, it's an aisle of like two rows of Klingons that are just prodding him. And he gets to the end, and he's, he's on his knees, barely able to speak, and he's like, "Thank you." <laughs> so yeah, I mean. I- I did feel like the stuff that he was getting off his chest was so inconsequential bollocks. Honestly, the whole plot felt like that to me, but it was at least entertaining because of the character interactions. No, it was, but this feels like you could have 
had actual weight here with him talking about you know maybe something about his his conflict with uh you know the, the way he feels about his his friendships with all these you know uh starfleet officers sure, and you uh, know humans and stuff and then and, and you know the, the lack of contact he kind of generally has with his own race yeah uh, offset by this traditional ceremony I don't, I don't know i feel like there was something that you could have done there and then it was just oh i'm job. I, I need to try harder at my job or whatever i don't know yeah i mean yeah that's fair i the 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 scenes basically exist to show that wesley cared enough to try and go out of his way to help him so they all kind of unite to help Worf. Um, it felt like he was kind of grasping at straws. Like Worf being angry for one conversation didn't feel like enough justification it, for me. It kind of felt like Worf. Yeah, to suspect that something was wrong, that they had to do something. But it's just to, it's just to have them bond while the main plot's going on. There's not a lot of Picard in this episode. You know, Picard has a couple of scenes with Riker. You know, the first one where he tells him about his job offer. Uh, it'll be sad to see him go. And he makes a point of saying, hey, I didn't congratulate you enough back when you came on board and you did the whole manual uh, detachment malarkey. Uh, mm. and you know so he kind of offers these thanks for that so the scenes with Riker and Picard I thought were pretty good um, yeah. and of course surprising absolutely no one mainly because I know he's still on the show for the rest of the, <laughs> the series uh, he comes out there and says I've elected to stay in the Enterprise uh, giving you permission sir uh, because Picard has this nice little moment earlier on when Riker sort of first says he's, he's kind of debating whether or not he wants to take the job and he's like well it's a conundrum because you know you're on the flagship you're second in command uh, but you're still second in command. You know, on this other ship, it would be smaller and you'd be elsewhere, but you would be captain. And Picard has this nice little moment where he kind of, like, you know, puts his lip, his head up to his lips, he's like, shh, like, and nothing beats being in command. Like, that's essentially what he says. And I was like, oh, that was a nice little bit of character for Picard. Said, yeah, I, I love being captain. <laughs> being captain's great. Of course he does. What's not to love, right? Um, but no, Riker makes the choice to stay because he thinks this is where he belongs. Maybe because he 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 wants to look after this, this ragtag crew he's got of of weird ensigns and Worf and you know because Worf wants to go with him Worf comes and asks him can I can I go with you on the science vessel which was kind of which was kind of touching that Worf cares that much and you know Worf and Riker have kind of bonded a bit here or there you know Worf was showing him some of the uh that ritual that he did before his training like routine in the morning yeah and and Riker probably you know had all the the, the exchange program with the Klingons so I think you know uh he kind of gets the culture a little bit more than some of the others so Wolf is a bit close to him for that oh maybe yeah so no, that, was, that was kind of sweet that kind of worked but um, as an episode as a whole it's a very forgettable nothing episode I mean it'll be memorable just because of how stupid that fight was yeah but that, that's not really in its favour <laughs> no uh, but uh, I, like, I like to Brian getting some more time and uh, the banter between Data, Jordy, O'Brien uh, all that stuff was mostly fun to yeah. watch it was a it was a fine B plot it's just the A plot so it was kind of meh <laughs> that's, that's ultimately what it was and, and it wasn't even like terrible like, I thought it was going to be worse I thought it was going to be all this mm. awful forced drama between Riker and Sarah, and it wasn't ever quite that bad the only time where it got that bad was during the fight scene and I was distracted by the, the, <laughs> the, the fight <laughs> so you know that, well that's the trick isn't it? Is the smoking mirrors to distract you from the bad bad writing with just here look how goofy this looks uh, it worked because it looked like a it looked like a low budget goofy sci fi movie scene from you know the eighties, which I mean this is when it was made, but like you know Star Trek typically looks a bit classier than that. Uh, mm. Well, because in general, no, no. Here is the thing: generally speaking, it knows what it can't do, so it yes. doesn't try to do stupid things. Yes, yes, it is. Um, now I say that, of course, obviously the original series is known for being a bit goofy here or there with you know its sets and stuff. Next gen, that's why the things that improved is that they they kind of did a better job of. I think that, you know a part of that is, is the difference culturally between the sixties and the eighties, though, right? 
that, that you know in, in the 60s it was a bit goofier and and you know they were like yeah this is fine to get away with this and you know if you go back and watch a lot of sci-fi movies from the 60s they are a bit goofier light-hearted in in the 80s you know towards the end of the 80s especially things are a bit more serious and star trek is a bit more serious now generally speaking at this point but it knows it's not doing you know all the fancy visual stuff that that movies are because it's not got that in its budget and it knows that for the most part which is why this is you know do, does what it does yeah, I'd kind of sum up by saying it's just it's a mediocre episode of a good TV show. And what I mean by that is that, much like a lot of other good TV shows, you can tell when the show itself is actually quite good because you still find yourself enjoying a lot of the character beats and moments in between all the crap in a bad episode like this. Um, oh, and let's be honest, we've had more below-average episodes than not at this stage of the show. Sure, yeah. Um, but I think to say, oh, you know, it's a good enough show in that it's still overall been enjoyable enough because of the characters. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. Uh, I'll tell you what's coming next time because we do that at the end of these Star Trek reviews. Oh, we do, don't we? Uh, so next up is episode 15. It's called Pen Pals. Oh, God. <laughs> Data befriends an alien girl in distress, breaking the Prime Directive, while Wesley commands his first team. Commands? Oh, God's sake. <laughs> he's, a, he's still in school. Literally. Can't wait. <laughs> so that is uh, that is what's coming up next time. Let us know what you thought of episode 14 of Star Trek The Next Generation in the comments below. Like and subscribe. Ding the bell on YouTube. Make sure you get the notifications. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Helps more people find us. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash TV. And we can do that for as little as $1 per month. And you get some bonuses, some exclusives, cut bits, and extra movie podcast episodes. At the $5 tier, you get early access for a bunch of stuff, including these Star Trek reviews. So go and have a look and see if you want to do that. Uh, get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. But otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Star Trek, guys. And to everyone but Connor, live long and prosper. <laughs>